Well, good morning as our children go to Children's Church, and we're excited about what they're going to be learning uh, today as well. Um, this morning, if you've uh, looked in your bulletin and looked at the uh, sermon notes, uh, you've discovered that it's, uh, it's all about who needs prayer, and we thought when Bill would give the announcements, they would give an object lesson, because we know somebody who needs prayer, and that's... Bill, Bill right? He got the name wrong. Oh, you guys are really... Okay, but anyway. Uh, I also wanted to ask you a question. Do you think Bill uh, speaks rather rapidly when he gives announcements? Just want to let you know that was part of the job description. If we were going to bring him on staff, he had to speak quickly. And I think he does a great job that way with enthusiasm and excitement. I also want to let you know that uh, I often, there's a lot of things I don't do well uh, and forget to do that I should do. And, uh, but I want to at least correct, at least at this moment, one of the things I don't normally do well. And that's celebrate things that God has done through uh, our, our people in our church. And Bill mentioned as far as the... Uh, Samaritan Christmas boxes. Last year we did, I think, 89. This year, at the, the most accurate account, at least at the moment, is we've done 344. Uh, so uh, we want to praise God for that. And, and um, Kay Farrar, who uh, heads up our women's ministry, uh, has really been instrumental in just jumping that from under 100 to over 300, and uh, we praise God for that. Well, this morning I want to talk about who needs prayer. But before I, I talk about that, I want to talk about who, who wants to pray. This Sunday is, uh, is an interesting Sunday in so many different ways because as we think about this Sunday, it's a Sunday right before a fairly big holiday on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, and then right after Thanksgiving comes what? Christmas. And that's why we're decorating uh, really this next uh, week, and as we think about that, the first Sunday historically of Advent, which is a word for coming, is next Sunday. So even in November, we begin thinking about Christmas, and of course, the the, the stores have already been thinking about Christmas and kind of announcing that there's a lot of things you can buy for your loved ones. But it, it's, a, it's a full season. And as you think about Thursday, what's going to happen, whether uh, you're by yourself on Thanksgiving, if, if that be the, the case, let me know and, and uh, I'll volunteer somebody in our church to have you over, or you can come over to our house, whatever it might be. But if you've been in a setting where you've had people around the table, and uh, we have uh, our family, and a lot of times we have extended family, or a lot of times we'll have other people that will come into our home. And, and right before the meal starts, someone will ask the question, who wants to, to pray? Now, if, if it's anywhere like my house, when you ask that question, and, and sometimes, interestingly enough, you can say who wants to pray, particularly on Thanksgiving, and you'll say who wants to return thanks, it is, it's not necessarily that every hand goes up. Have you ever had that experience? You know? Who wants to pray? And everybody's looking around or they're looking for somebody else to volunteer. And when you think about it, really, who wants to pray should be who? Everybody. Now, part of the reasons we don't want to pray in a public setting is because people are afraid to speak in a public setting. And particularly, even as they think about talking to God, they think somehow they're going to mess up their prayer and they don't pray as well as somebody else. And we have all kinds of reasons why we think that. But, but let me just uh, throw out a couple things. Sometimes when that happens to me, even in a pastor's home, and in a pastor's home, trust me, we try to, for our, our children, we have four kids, try to not make it too religious. And you know what I mean about not being too religious? We didn't have too much uh, Christian junk all over our house, you know, all those little knickknacks you can buy for a lot of money, way overpriced at Christian bookstores. <laughs> you want to know how I really feel about Christian junk? Okay. <laughs> you know. And if you have it, you know, just forgive me, all right? But it, it, the other thing, we didn't put a verse at every single door and every single, you know, every spot in the house. We didn't have a verse or a commandment, you know, from God uh, telling people what to do. Uh, but, but sometimes there are things that kind of just 
get me. And, and so sometimes when I ask who wants to pray and no one raises their hand, then I say, okay, everyone has to pray. No, I mean everyone has to pray. And they all look at me, you don't mean that. Yes, I mean that. So then we go around the room, and that's why it's not very popular to come to my house on Thanksgiving or other period of time. And I say, okay, now I, I, I don't want you to preach in prayer. And let me tell you, from a professional prayer, you know, that's what preachers are, the, the, least, the least desirable people for me to hear preach, I mean to pray, is preachers. Because what do they do in their prayers? They they preach. You didn't take long to figure that out, right? And, and look at, I don't need a sermon and a prayer. I just want someone to express what's on their heart to God in the simplest of ways. And, and normally the prayers I like more than anything else are just sentence prayers. And, and we did that last week as a, as a church body uh, you know, in this service. And we're not going to do that this week. But, but really, uh, we can all, uh, we can all if, if, unless you're mute today, you can all talk. And what is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to who? God. And the prayers he loves are just the prayers of his people. And, and really, the, the prayers I like are normally the shorter prayers. And sometimes the shortest prayers the need that it are really express the need of the moment. You know, when Peter was walking in the water and kind of got his eyes off Jesus and began to sink, he just simply said what? Help, <laughs> help me. Lord, help me. And, and I want to submit to you that this, this, uh, this Thanksgiving... You're not more spiritual if you pray out loud and you, you know, and you only pray silently. But let me just throw it out as a possibility. This Thanksgiving is instead of one person praying, have everybody pray. And, not, and make sure they only pray a sentence. And if they, well, I don't know what to pray about. Think of one specific thing that you can thank God about. And I, 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 can we all do that? Could we all do that? And now you might not be in a setting where you're controlling what's happening in, your, in the home because you might be going to somebody else's and you don't take over somebody's house. But, but I, would, I would encourage you just to, to make prayer something that, that we all can do and that we can all hear. I, I love to hear people pray, the simplest of prayers. Now, there is a place for long prayers. There's only two types of prayers in the Bible. There are long prayers and there are short prayers. And if you have long prayers, that's great. But there are times that just for short prayers, expressing thanksgiving. And often uh, it's, it's a delight to hear children pray because they just keep it simple. But beyond the question who wants to pray is really the question who needs to pray. Now, this is one in which if you had a hand raise, you might get everybody to raise their hand. Who wants to pray? Oh, you're going to actually ask me to pray if I volunteer. But who needs prayer? And you're looking around, are you going you're gonna to somehow single me out. But if, if we were really expressing what's in our heart and our mind, we would say we all need to pray. And so as we've been going through the series in James, and, and we've got two more verses after this, this week, and some of you are praying that we'll s- somehow get out of the book of James because we've been in here really almost all of 2016. Is James, is just like the, the writers of the the book of Proverbs, I mean, he goes from one section to another section to another section. There, there is a, there's a line that kind of connects everything, but he, he's moving from one thing to the other because this is how life is lived, isn't it? We, we learn a lesson, and then we, we need a le- another lesson to learn, and then we need to go back to the lesson we just for, forgot about and relearn that one. And if you remember the last couple of weeks in, in the book of James, it, it's been pretty straightforward. You know, what, what does God want from us when life's not fair? He simply wants us to be... So do I need to re-preach that sermon? It started with letter P. He, he wants us to be patient. Does, does, it, does everyone here need to be more patient than you really are? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> someone said no. Okay. 
pray for that sinner who just said that. No. <laughs> you know, we, we all need to be patient. And we go, well, how do we be patient? Well, he says, you too be patient and stand firm. And how and why? Because the Lord's coming is near. When you think of all the things we get so anxious about, and we think of if this was our last day on this planet, we wouldn't worry about whether we got through that, that red light before, you know, that green light before it turned red, you know, or whatever it might be. Or, and we wouldn't be so anxious about the things that just wear us down. And so in the midst of this letter to churches that were dispersed and they were suffering intense persecution, he said, just trust God, submit to him, be patient, he's in control. And just recognize that he's coming. And then James, he turned and he said, I got another simple message for you. I just want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. I just want you to be honest. Does anybody here need to be honest? God just wants us to be authentic and real and genuine. And part of it, the latter part of that message on be honest, he was, you could kind of tie it into this message this morning, which says, I want you to be so honest that you're willing to admit that you need prayer. And not only you need so, prayer so much that you need to pray, which is simply talking with God and bringing honestly to God what's going on in your life that you need His help, but there are times you need other people to pray for you. Because the Christian life is extremely personal, but it's not really to be so much private. It's supposed to be private if we're somehow trying to be showy and, and let people think we're more than we are, and that's why... Jesus talked about praying in your closet. It wasn't talking about you should never pray out loud. But he said if, if, if you're so stuck on letting people know how spiritual you are because you've got to pray out loud, then just do it in your closet. But there were many times throughout Scripture where God's people were praying together and they weren't in one closet because we need people praying for us and we need to be praying for other people. And so this uh, next to last section, he, he talks about prayer. And what I want to do this morning in the time I have, I, I want to keep it extremely simple and clear. And then there's a couple places I want to get a little technical to see where I think the emphasis here is. And, and then even at the end of the service, we're going to try to do as a church a little bit more intentionally, give you opportunity to pray with people every Sunday. And so after the service, we're going to have a couple of our elders, and they're just going to go to my office. And when the service is over, if you just like prayer for anything, you can go in that office and just pray. There's nothing, there's nothing scary about the office that has lights on and, you know, you can get out, the doors aren't locked. But if you just like to say, hey, I, I want to pray with somebody, um, uh, you'll give the opportunity, okay? And, and who needs prayer? We all do, right? And, and so it's just a matter, do I want somebody else to pray with me this day? Because we all need to go in that room. But you might not always go in that room, but, but today I really would like some additional prayer. Um, this is one of those messages I got more things to say than I have time to say, so I might as well just, you know, add more things, right? I, I am probably the, the least techie person on, in, our, um, in, our, on our, in our staff, but I, I wanted to read, I was, I was reading a thing by John Piper, and this makes me look like I'm smart because I'm using my <laughs> smartphone, right? Okay, um, we, we, uh, this, this is a comment by um, um, John Piper. It was yesterday I was reading it. We all need help. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every one of us needs help. Would we all agree with that statement? We are not God. We have needs. We have weaknesses. We have confusion. We have limitations of all kinds. We need help. But every one of us has something else. We have sins, and therefore at the bottom of our hearts, we know that we do not deserve the help we need. 
and so we feel trapped. I need help to live my life and to handle death and to cope with eternity. Help with my family, my spouse, my children, my loneliness, my job, my health, my finances. I need help, but I don't deserve the help I need. So so what can I do? I can try to deny it it all and to be a superman who doesn't need any help, or I can try to drown it all out and throw my life into a pool of sensual pleasures, or I can simply give away to the paralysis of despair. But God declares over this hopeless conclusion, Jesus Christ became a high priest to shatter that despair with hope and to humble that superman or superwoman and to rescue that drowning person. Yes, we all need help. Yes, none of us deserves the help we need, but no to despair and pride and selfish behavior. Look at what God says, because we have a great high priest. The throne of God is the throne of grace, and the help we get at that throne is mercy and grace to help in time of need, grace to help, not deserved help, gracious help. But God invites us to ask for that help. And so with that as a context, I want us to look at a passage in James. If you have your Bibles, uh, pull it out. I don't have the main text in your outline this morning. In fact, most of the pa- I don't have any of the passage listed out. But we're just going to look at five verses or six verses, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, uh, six verses, and just see what James talks about as it relates to prayer. And really it's going to all about we all need prayer, but when, when do we need prayer? And we're going to see this in the passage in the section we're looking at this morning. James 5.13, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago a little bit, but now a little bit more of a focus. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. So he, he kind of divides his audience, his, his readers or the congregations that are, say, are examining this passage in a corporate way. He says, if you, if you broadly brush everybody, uh, people are either doing well or not doing well, right? And I've got a response to you. If you're not doing this well, doing well this morning, if you're coming in with a heavy heart or really, at least on a natural level, you're, you don't have a silly smile on your face, that means something's going on. And he said, that's okay. You don't have to be so super spiritual that nothing challenging happens in your life. And I want to give you the freedom to realize that, that, that God knows it. And he says, okay, I've got something for you to do. If, if you're suffering, and they were suffering greatly, uh, let's, let's be very simple and straightforward. Then you must pray. And then he says, well, if you're cheerful, which is the other side of it, things are going awesome. You just had a great week, and you're looking for another great week. And you're saying, well, if that is, then it's all right to be cheerful and express that to God. Sing praises. In your outline this morning, I said, we need prayer when life is not good and when life, uh, when life is not good and when it is good. So does that include everybody here this morning? Okay, it's either not good or it's good today, and we need to pray. And I'll say why prayer is a part of singing praises in a moment. But, you know, this is, this is a familiar theme in, in James, and he, he really d- does have a theme that runs, or, you know, says, states the truth and circles back to it. Remember that first p- part in James chapter 1? He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Uh, and normally trials are the things in your life that are not what? Good, right? Are we all on the same page here? Okay, trials are things are not good. And he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then verse 5 says this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And that is another word for or phrase describing what? 
prayer. He said, look it, if you're struggling with a trial you're going in and you're not experiencing joy, which is not the natural response when a trial happens, and you want to see a bigger picture, this, this thing that's happening in my life that is not good, and it could be something that is a, a lingering not good, then come to God with it. And you, you can't get a, a bigger perspective on it. God, how could you, how could you bring this in my life? So well, ask for wisdom to get a perspective. And, and when you do then you'll, you'll discover that God generously gives you an insight into it so you can, even though you don't like what has happened, you'll see there's, a, there's, there's good coming from it. Uh, for some of you, remember that verse in the Bible that, that really is a great verse for other people but not for you because it, you struggle with it and it applies to you? It says, uh, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to, lo- to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, that, that verse, we need to understand, doesn't mean that everything in life is good. But even those things that are not good, God can use it for good. And, and in this passage, he, he even says, okay, part of what it's going to do for you, it's going to develop the characteristics of patience and endurance. And it'll, it'll develop a character quality in your life that, that will make you stronger if you don't fight it. And, and when you push against that, say, God, help me understand this. And, and you pray about it, and he says, remember, I'm going to use this to teach you. Or to have your life be a testimony to others so they can see Christ in you. Because when people are suffering and they, and they still have a joy for life, not a silly grin in life, but they see a person going through difficult times with, with strength, I'm going to use it for good even when it's not good. So, so when should we pray when, when life is not good, but also um, when it is good? And he says sing praises. What's interesting here, and this is the technical part of the message, and I'll go here a couple times, the word for sing praise there is an interesting word. It comes from the word solo in the verb form, or salmo if it's in the noun form. And, and really, that's, that's the Greek word. It sounds like psalms, and that's because it is psalms. And, and, and so he says, when things are going well, then, then proclaim psalms back to God. And it's translated in the verb form. In the noun form, it just means psalms. In the verb form, it usually translates sing praises. Or in the King James language, it actually translates sing psalms. Interesting enough, instrumentally it was used to twang uh, a, a, a string instrument for the, the purpose of allowing people to, to sing up to God. And so uh, it was probably a heart, not an electric guitar, but it's closer than an organ. All right, <laughs> you know, is that, it's an instrument. And so if anyone ever told you that they never, we shouldn't use instruments in the, in the New Testament, you know, uh, because it's not prescriptive, it's right here. This word actually speaks about a string instrument. But literally what it is, is saying, well, give psalms to God when you are cheerful. What is the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible. It's got 150 chapters, if you want to count each psalm as a chapter. And really, it's, it's one of two things. It, it, is a, it is a song book, and we sing often psalm. Uh, music right out of the book of Psalms, but it was also a prayer book. And, and you can see that if you read through all the, the Psalms. Some of them are, are desperately expressing back to God the pain that's in their life. And other times it's expressing greatly the praise that is in people's lives. And, and, and so we just need to simply understand as we go through life, if we want to understand God's path for us, is hey, he invites us to talk to him. Who needs prayer? We all need prayer. We all need to pray 
and we all need to uh, have people, we all need to pray, and we all need for people to pray for us. And when we're doing well and when we're not doing well, that's just part of life. It's just genuine and real. If anyone is cheerful, yeah, sing praises or sing prayers to God. Express prayers to God. And when you're not doing well, then pray as well and just be honest with him. But just like any text, he goes on and he, he continues this theme for a while. And he, he says, the verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Now, here's that part of the Bible at times when you read really and go, what in the world are you talking about? You're talking about oil here, you're talking about elders, and you're talking about being sick. Is this, a, is this, a, is this the, the health plan in the first century? You don't go to hospitals, but you, you do all this kind of stuff? Well, well it's possible, but I, th- I think it's even simpler than that. Because is anyone among you sick? And that's a legitimate way to translate the, the Greek word here. And I'm not going to give you the Greek words, but I'm going to talk about the Greek words. The, the Greek word here in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels, it's often used for physical sickness. But in the epistles, it's primarily used not for physical sickness, but for emotional and spiritual weakness. And so he could, you could easily say this, is anyone here among you in need of help? Because right now you're, you're feeling kind of weak. You're feeling like, oh, you're overwhelmed. There, there are things that aren't going right in your life, and, and you're, just, you're just having such a difficult time. Uh, to give you an illustration, turn your Bibles to Rome. If you have your Bibles, we'll do a little flipping around here for a moment. In, um, in Romans chapter 6, to show you that this is used not in a physical sickness way. It says, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness or the sickness of your flesh. But he's not talking about, again, physically, because he goes on and says, For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Which he says, you know, some of you are really struggling spiritually, and the reason is because that part of you uh, that remains human while we're still living on this planet. Does anyone still struggle with doing things that are right and not doing things that are wrong? Anyone's, this is the hand raised day, okay? Anyone still struggle with that? He said, well, the reason is that because <laughs> there's a weakness in our human uh, condition. There's a weakness or a sickness. That's the word here. That's the same word he used in James 5, 14. Uh, you are sick in the flesh. You are weak in the flesh. That's the word he uses here. In Romans 14.1, he has the same idea. And here he speaks about our faith and our faith walk. He says, now accept the one, uh, Romans 14.1, now accept the one who is weak, or you could translate here, sick in faith. But not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. And that's a longer chapter that really speaks about, you know, some have a more sensitive conscience about certain things that are, they're free to do compared to other people who feel like, you know, that's, there's a longer list of things they can do that they're not off God's list. And he said that the, the weaker in flesh have, have more rules, and the Christian life is not primarily a list of rules. Okay, it's a relationship. And there are things that God has said pretty plainly, but the things God hasn't said plainly, there's some freedom there. And each person needs to wrestle with, with what is honoring to God in their life. And he describes those who are struggling to decide what things are right or wrong that aren't clear in the Bible. Some of them are weak or sick in their faith. 
Well, let's take one other. T- turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, or just listen as I turn to 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, who, who would you say was you know, probably a good, pretty good model Christian, he says um, you know, that he had an experience, and then God decided he'd get a thorn in the flesh, and, and, uh, and then he decided to pray about it. Verse 8, concerning this, I implore the Lord three times that it might leave me. And what was it? The thorn in his flesh. And he says, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in sickness. That's not what he says here, but it says in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I will, I'm not well, I am well content with sickness or weaknesses, with insults and distresses and persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am sick or when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this is the technical part of the message here, in a sense, if you're thinking with me. Is what, he, what he is illustrating here with James and the rest of the New Testament is saying, look at, not only do we all need prayer, we all need prayer because we need help, but another way to put it, put it is we all need prayer because we're all sick. Or to put it a little bit, a little bit more palatable, we all need prayer because we're, we all have weaknesses. We, all, we are weak at certain times. In fact, in 5.15, it's interesting, James uses two different words for sick. He translated sick in most translations. It's a different Greek word. And there, it's only used one other time in the New Testament, and it means weary. Let me ask you, does, any, does anybody ever get tired? <laughs> I think that's the plight of Orange County, okay? All of us get tired, okay? Now, we, don't, we don't like to, to admit it at times, you know, to everybody, but we're just tired. Now, it's one thing to be physically tired, but when we get emotionally tired. But, you know, let's say in a place like this, anybody ever get spiritually tired? It just, it just worn out. And, and so he, he's appealing to them. Look, at, I want to be real with you. you. You're going through difficult times, and, and you have your own weaknesses. We, we all have areas in our life that are strong and other areas that aren't so strong. That We, we struggle with certain areas, but we don't have to struggle in other areas. And if that be case, if the case, then invite people to pray for you. And if you're just weary, invite people to pray for you. Now, traditionally, and I, and I have used this in my ministry, and I, I was trying to count how many, how many years I've been in professional ministry, and it's, it's uh, depending if you, if, you, if you cut out two years where I didn't make a whole lot of money at all, I, I, you, know, I've been, um, you know, I've been in professional ministry for 40 years. Okay? This, this passage is often used in church-type ministry. You say, okay, the leaders in the church, if you have a physical sickness and you want somebody to pray for you, call up the elders and say, I want people to pray over me, anoint me with some ointment, oil, and pray that I would be physically healed. I, I've, I've gone out on those excursions many times, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a broader base for this. And the broader base is, look at when we're all struggling to the point or we all feel I need, I need extra prayer for what I'm going through. He said, then invite people to come and pray for you. Now, we need to understand, most of the churches in that day were house churches. And house churches mean that everybody knew everybody. It was like an extended family, maybe 30 people, 40 people. And so if you needed you know, people you, um, uh, that you knew were walking with God, you'd want people walking with God to pray for you. He said, well, call the elders out and pray for you. And he said, what's this whole thing of anointing with oil? Again, time 
does not give me the chance to go through it in detail. The, the, knowing what oil is interesting, I, I used to think that was a, in, in fact, I think it still could be. I'm not saying this is the only way to take this passage, but I think what I'm telling you is the clear way to take the passage. It, it, is we often think anointing oil, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But if you look through all the, all the passages, it's not as clear that it is that. You don't see too many illustrations of that. Actually, you see maybe more illustration that it has medicinal value. And I know in our culture now, and some of you are really involved in it in a variety of different ways, essential oils, essential oils can have a healing aspect. In Luke chapter 10, you have the experience of the, the Good Samaritan. When he found the guy on the road, he, uh, he bound him up and he, he applied oils to his wounds. But, but I, think, I think there's maybe even a clearer perspective of that. No matter how, how open we are about having people pray for us, it's still somewhat humbling, isn't it? Would you pray for me? I'm really, I'm just, I'm just really tired spiritually. Or emotionally, I'm a wreck. I'm just sick on the inside. And anointing with oil. Remember when Jesus uh, was at Simon's house? and yeah, Simon was you know, pretty well up the social status and religious status. And, and then this woman came and, and anointed um, Jesus' feet with perfume. And uh, Simon didn't quite get it. In fact, he was kind of rebuking Jesus for this occasion because he didn't think that was worthy for you know, a, a holy man to be in contact with an unholy person. He said, look it, I came in your room. You, you, didn't, you didn't even anoint my head with oil. Now, why did people get their head anointed with oil when they in people's house? Does that mean Jesus had a sore head? Now, I, I think really the idea was it was, a, it was, a, it was an expression of refreshment and, and engaging that person in, in a caring, open, hospitable way. I, I guess in our culture, sometimes you, say, you come to the house, hey, you want a cup of coffee? You want something to drink? Can, can I take your coat? Can I give you a hug? And, and it was an expression of, of just care. Just care. And so I would, I would encourage you within your life groups, you know, and just your relationships with others, when, when you're struggling, just, just have somebody come alongside you. Would you just pray for me? And, and if you're the person being asked, just give them a hug or, or just say, hey, I, I count this as a privilege to pray for you. And, and when you think about elders, I, I think the primary point here was the spiritual leaders of the church, but, but we, we use a phrase in our, in our culture at times where we say, um, particularly if you're younger than someone that's older than you, you say, you need to respect your what? Elders. So if there's anyone in your life that you respect spiritually, invite them to pray for you. And, and really ask that whatever, wherever they're weak or weary, God will lift them up. So, so what's the point? We need prayer when we are spiritually weak. Would we all agree with that? See, that's when we do life better together. Um, one other reference, even though I said I wouldn't get to spend a whole lot of time. In Matthew 6, 16 and 17, interesting passage. When people were, were trying to come across as particularly spiritual, and, and there's a place for fasting which simply says, I've got so much to pray for and I want to pray... So for something so intensely, I don't have time to eat, or I don't have time to do whatever I'm, I'm not going to do. And for us, I don't have time to watch TV, I don't have time to, to listen to the radio, I don't have time to go on the internet, I don't have time to, to uh, check my smartphone, I, I, I've just got to pray. Okay? 
Well, most of us, you, you wouldn't know whether I checked my, well, unless you were maybe sending me some texts, you know, something like that. But there are some things in my life, you wouldn't know whether I gave up certain things to pray because it wouldn't affect me physically. If I gave up food, it would show. Well, they, they would do that. They, would, they, would, they want to sh- show that they were spiritual, so they, would, they wouldn't eat for a while, and it began to show in their physical presence and things like that. Look at if you fast for prayer, you do everything you can to not let people know that you're fasting for prayer. In fact, in fact, even just use oils to make you look better. Refresh yourself. So that the point is you're praying, not that people know that you're praying in such an intense way. So who needs prayer? We all need prayer. We need prayer when things are going good and when things are not going good. We need prayer when, when we are weak. Uh, the idea which I just said there, we need prayer when, when we need help. Look at James 5.15. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick or weary here. It's particularly how it's translated, the only other place in the New Testament. And, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. But what does that mean? Well, let me just draw a few simple things. What does it mean to, to be restored? It, it, it's to take something that's broken and make it what? Make it whole. And if you're thinking about it in terms of the spiritual perspective of this, it can be physical as well, but spiritual is, is bringing people back to spiritual wholeness or to use the the sickness idea is bringing back people to spiritual health sometimes we we do we do a lot of things in our life that aren't healthy right and we're all going to be challenged by that on thanksgiving (laughs) and it's not it's not so much what you eat on thanksgiving it's what how much you eat right so if you're going to eat a lot then you better plan in a walk right or do something so that you kind of burn off what you ate because you, you don't want to make Thanksgiving a great day of celebration of family. An unhealthy day, make it a healthy day. Do some things that, that will monitor that. And, and what it's saying here, if you want to be spiritually healthy, do some spiritual healthy things. Have people pray for you in your time of need, and it will bring you back to spiritual wholeness and health. And then he says, raise you up. Well, really, that word is also used at times to, to arouse or waken. And, and the idea here is, is, is to bring to fullness of life. Isn't that what Jesus promised? I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to steal and kill and destroy like the enemy, but I, I came to give you what kind of life? Abundant life. You know, I'm raising you up to life. And you got, when we come become a follower of Christ, that life begins now, not when we die. It begins right now. Uh, to, to, to forgive. The interesting phrase, the way he puts it, that, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. I'm thinking, what do you mean? Why'd you put the if? I mean, does anybody have to be described here? If, hey, did you sin at all this week? <laughs> we all did. Or we, we all didn't kind of hit the mark perfectly this week. But I think the idea here is, you know, some things that, that break us up as a, as a people in our walk with God and then it filters out horizontally is when we've done things wrong to other people and, and if we really wrestle with that, it, it brings shame in our life and and then there are times where it begins to, to make us uh, be overwhelmed by our guilt. And, and we feel so unworthy even to, to try to live the Christian life. Why should I try? I keep messing up all the time. And again, he gives the hope. He says, look, at it. if you've committed sins that have disrupted your relationship with God or with other people, understand that when you have people pray for you and just bring you back to God, you don't have to be overwhelmed by your sin because your sin is forgiven. And, and you need to be reassured that God forgives that sin, but also you need to be reassured that God's people forgive your sin. 
We're going to see this in a moment. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many things I've heard over the, the 40 years now of people telling me things they've done. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes people come back to me, how can, and they'll say, I, I sometimes wonder when I talk to you what, whether you can even look at me because of the things you've, I've told you. I say, you know, most of this stuff, I, I don't even remember anymore. And that's the forgiveness we get from God. And we need to be assured of that. God's grace is sufficient to take our sins as far as the east from the west and bury in the deepest sea. There's no crying at church. <laughs> you know, in Psalm 32, 5, I, I, Paul uh, David writes this, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. We often think God forgives the penalty, but he forgives the guilt. And so God's people need to be in a rhyme where we understand that's true. Now, we need to confess that sin. We need to turn from that sin and repent. We need to go down God's path or we can go down our own path. But there's forgiveness in Christ. And, of course, there's the idea that he equips us. He gives us what we need. Fourthly, we only got a couple more minutes. We need prayer when life's good and when it's not good. We need prayer when, when we are weak, we have weaknesses. We, we, need, we need prayer when we need help, uh, we're weary, we're tired. We need to be restored, raised up, forgiven, equipped to do what comes next. And there's some passages here this week that uh, if you get a chance through the Bible study, talk about Paul asking for prayer. That Paul asked for prayer, and again, it wasn't him just praying himself. He asked other people to pray for him. Then I think we need to as well. Um, we, need to, we need prayer when our lives need to change. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, what's interesting about that passage is, is um, some people think that if if you've never been in a small group in the church and you go to a small group in the church, what's going to happen is you're going to have to get on the couch and everybody's going to analyze you and you're going to find out your deepest, deepest sins and faults. That's not what happens in our life groups. Uh, you know, we, we just connect with God and, and, and try to grow in our relationship with Him and, and see how we can uh, just grow together and, and just learn to experience His love in a greater way and His presence. Uh, but there is a place at times where we need to understand that, that we need to go a little bit beyond what's happening in our lives that's easy to talk about and you know confessing our sins or things we're struggling with is 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 part of what is a healthy thing a healthy thing to do and really speaking about those things these are things i need to change these are things about me i i know that i'm i'm, I'm just struggling with it's our it's those 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 hurts and those hang-ups and those things that we we are habits of life that we just aren't overcoming and I want to just read you a passage out of Hebrews, a very interesting passage that uses this exact uh, words as it relates to weary. And um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 uh, says this, Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. He uses a physical illustration of this. And make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb of which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. 
Now, here he uses the physical analogy, but really it's a, it's a spiritual analogy in Hebrews chapter 12. He's not talking about someone who is, who is lame that needs to have a doctor set a bone in his body. He, he's talking about, okay, spiritually, you know, you're not walking straight. You, 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 need to, you, need, you need to straighten up. And so sometimes we'll use that with our children. You need to straighten up. And God is saying to us, not, not to abuse us, but say, look, it just, just straighten up and go down the right path. So there are times that we need prayer more than anything else and when we need to change. And hopefully that's, that's the moniker of a Christian. The moniker of a Christian is that we're always changing. How sad it is when, when Christians stop learning and, and stop growing and, and stop becoming, you know, more like God wants them to be. And then finally, and I'll just really read the verses on this one. He says, you could say, we need prayer to experience the power and presence of God. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You think, wow, what, a, what an example of a person who prays powerfully. You know, I've, I've prayed prayers like that, and God never did it, you know. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going snowboarding. I want fresh snow just for a day, Okay. I didn't get it for a day. I mean, he stopped the rain and started the rain, you know, for three and a half years. Why did he use that? He says, look, this is some, there's something much more powerful than changing the, the weather. It's changing lives. And you want to see, experience the power of God. Realize you can pray just like Elijah. And we know Elijah was just like us because he had all kinds of fears and doubts, even after God did great things in his life. So what's the point this morning? What's the so what? How's our prayer life? And I use it our rather than your because it's all of us praying like this. Praying when things are good and not so good. Praying when we're weak. Praying when we're weary. We need help. Praying when we need to change. Praying when we need to experience the power of God. Praying not to be showy, but to see the power and presence of God manifest in His people because it's not us, it's Him. How's our prayer life? Let's pray together. Father, we, we can only pray because of the greatness of God. How great is our God, who would be willing to listen to us and hear our prayers and desire for us to come into your presence and come to the throne of grace and receive what we desperately need. Help us not to see prayer more than it really is. It's talking with you. But help us to see prayer than all that it is. It's tapping in the presence and power of God in a way that, that changes our lives and the lives of people we care about. Help us to be people who, who would love to be in your presence to speak with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.